Hello everybody, good morning, good to see you. Hopefully you're staying warm and cozy in your homes, on your couches, on your iPhones, wherever you are here this morning. Church is gonna get started in about seven minutes. I'm gonna tune up the guitar, get my coffee going, and we're gonna be studying uh, the person of Elijah in the first in the book of First Kings, chapter 19. We're going to continue our study, so grab a loved one, share this link with a friend. I'm Pastor Wayne H. You can also find this on uh, Facebook.com/forward/slash/PastorWayneH or YouTube.com/forward/slash/PastorWayneH. I'm also on Periscope and a few other uh, services streaming live right now. But uh, let's get ready for church, everybody. We're going to start singing and then we'll study. Uh, Elijah. And it's going to be a great snow day study of God's word today. And next Sunday will be our first Sunday back at the high school in months. So I'm so excited to have in-person worship. But for now, get hunkered down, get comfortable. We're going to have some online church in just a few minutes. God bless you. We'll see you very soon.
Hey everybody, grab your Bible, grab a pen, grab your blankie, get on the couch. I hope you're doing well and uh, good to see many of you here joining me here for church this morning. We're going to worship a little bit. I forgot my capo. Here we go. We're going to sing and then we're going to study part two of the person of Elijah today. And so it's going to be awesome. So get on off the couch if you feel like it. I got my fake fireplace and candles going, and um, we're going to rejoice in the Lord. I will sing. I will sing a brand new song all day long. I will bring a sacrifice. I will sing, Lord. 
Father, thank you for another day to serve you. Thank you for the moisture we certainly needed here in Colorado. Father, I thank you for the beauty of another season as autumn begins to wane and go away, that winter is coming. And winter is not always a bad thing. Winter is a time when the seeds get in the ground and get ready to germinate. And Father, I thank you for every new season. And this winter season brings Christmas time, our very favorite time of the year for many of us. A time when we remember that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God gave his greatest gift in the person of Jesus. And so, Father, we are thankful. We're thankful for your goodness. And there's so many things to be thankful for. And Halloween is just coming up here now, Lord. And this is the time of year when many people in the pagan calendar are looking to dark things. And I just come against every dark thing in the name of Jesus. I thank you that he whom the sun sets free, free is truly free. That in you there's no darkness at all. That you are the father of heavenly lights. And you can protect us from every dark scheme of the wicked one. And that this season, as we get uh, ramped up into Thanksgiving soon, I pray that we truly would be thankful and grateful. Hallelujah. Hey, church, I've got, I've got uh, your comment section over here on the iPad, so I can see you here on the camera, and i got the iPad. Can we, can we name five things that we're thankful for here on the, on the feed, on the stream? And let's just call them out. Let's name five things that we're thankful for. Since it's my idea, I'm thankful for this guitar. I'm thankful for my nylon guitar here on a, on a Sunday morning. And it's nice and cozy where I am. What are you thankful for? Why don't you put it in the comment section there? Let's name it out. Let's count our blessings. Name one one by one. Type out one thing that you're thankful for. You're thankful for moisture. Yes. Hallelujah. That's right. Anybody else thankful for something? For life. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. For warm houses. <laughs> Yep, Connie says, for Jesus, family, food, warmth, and health, I'm sure my mom is thankful to be home from the hospital. Waverly and Bruce came home from the hospital yesterday from Sky Ridge. I'm sure they're thankful to be home. That's awesome. For family, yes. Hallelujah. Those are all wonderful things to be thankful for. Yeah. Let's just pray for this, the rest of the service. Father, I thank you for a chance to gather. Even though it's virtual, I thank you that next Sunday it'll be virtual and actual. And would you just anoint everything that we say and do in this service, from the comments that we share to the, the feed itself, uh, to worship and the study of, of the person of Elijah. I pray your spirit, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, would rest on us during this service today and throughout this week. And as we get ready for Thanksgiving, Lord, help us to be truly grateful, to be truly thankful. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Well, here, let's sing, let's sing this one that's uh, becoming a favorite of mine recently, Waymaker.
worship you. Uh, 
light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are, 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 that is who you are. We praise you, Lord, for who you are. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Welcome you here in our midst, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come in your strength and your power, Lord. Come in your own special way. Elijah, he was a man that was full of the Holy Spirit. And the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and me. And that same fire that was on Elijah, that same power that was on him, that same power that was on Moses and Joshua and all the judges, is the same Spirit that was on Jesus and the apostles and the saints of old and the people throughout the church age in the last 2,000 years. That same Spirit lives inside of you and me and he can strengthen our mortal bodies he can strengthen us through a global pandemic he can strengthen us through times of uncertainty and depression and fear he can keep at bay any kind of stronghold the enemy would try to bring our way whether it would be addiction or anger or loneliness God is bigger than all of those things so father right now I just come against everything that comes against your people and we welcome you Holy Spirit to baptize us in your fire and to give us power to do what we could not do for ourselves. We plead the blood of Jesus. We thank you the blood of Jesus breaks every chain and gives us freedom. When everyone else is losing their mind, we get to keep ours because we have our hope built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us and he's strengthening our mortal bodies right now in jesus name amen amen well i was digging around and i found one of my favorite old matt redmond songs some of you remember that old that old hymn what can wash away our sins nothing but the blood of jesus well redmond made sort of a, a an updated version of it i'm going to sing it here in a minute but let's read the one year bible and See what God's word has to say for today. Today's reading for October 25th. The highlighted verse comes from 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verse, verse 2 through 5. It says, Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. That's, that's why we gather even when we just gather virtually online, when we gather in his name, when we study God's word, we, we're instructed in the ways of God and we learn how to, to live for God and be the people he wants us to be. 
So this is what it says. It's this kind of warning for the last days and for almost kind of the times we're living in right now. Preach the word, be prepared, whether time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. And it continues, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you... You should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work, work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry that God has given you. So there, there's going to be times when people reject us. They'll reject the gospel. They'll reject the truth of Jesus. But you know what? It's not our job to determine how people respond to the gospel. It's just our, our job to scatter the seed, to share the truth, and to demonstrate God's love. So, let's, I'm going to sing this, uh, Nothing But the Blood, and we'll go into that well-loved song, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. Your blood speaks a better word All the empty claims heard upon this earth Speaks righteousness for me Stands in my defense Jesus, it's your blood Your blood speaks a better word All the empty claims Heard upon this earth Speaks righteousness for me Stands in my defense it's your blood What can wash away our sins What can make us whole again Nothing but the blood Nothing but the blood of Nothing but 
the blood of Jesus What can wash away our sins What can make us whole again Nothing but the blood Nothing but the blood of Jesus What can wash us pure studying of your word as we look at the person of Elijah meet every need Lord there's probably folks on this feed here today that have needs emotional physical emotional uh, relational financial in every way God there's so many things we can be praying for Lord, I want to pray for peace in our country as we come up on this presidential election father I pray that that we could be a, a united nation, even though we're very divided in many ways. I truly pray that we would be one nation under you, one nation under God, indivisible. The enemy would not be able to divide us, but we would be one nation under God, under Christ, under the blood of Jesus. And Lord, just draw us near to you. And give, keep us safe during these difficult times, during these scary and tumultuous and turbulent times where people are so angry and so bitter. I pray that your love would shine through your church, that true Christians would shine the love and the light of Jesus. And yet we would not compromise the truth. We'd tell the truth and we'd speak the truth in love and that your truth would set us free. We love you, God pray you bless the rest of this feed and this study. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen, amen. So hey, turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. I'm going to give you a little, here's a few ways to connect with me online. Go to Pastor Wayne H. on my various social media channels. The one, not, the one that's not on there, but is should be on there. Um, my Instagram, Pastor Wayne H., LinkedIn.com, Pastor Wayne H., YouTube.com, Pastor Wayne H., Facebook.com, Pastor Wayne H. You're probably sensing a theme there. And then I'm also on Periscope as well. So uh, you can share this link with a friend, share the study with a friend, and we're going to get into the studying of God's Word here today. Let me grab my Bible. And we started our study last week of the person of Elijah. And if you'll remember, we, uh, we left Elijah as he had the showdown on Mount Carmel with 450 prophets of Baal. And he killed the prophets. And then Jezebel said, if I don't kill you like, I, like you killed those prophets by this time tomorrow, um, I, swear, I swear that I'm going to have you killed. And so, of course, uh, it's intimidating when the enemy comes in like a flood. It's intimidating when the enemy wants to destroy you. So Jezebel threatens Elijah's life. And so he decides that um, he is going to to hightail it out of there. So he leaves for a place called Beersheba. Now, Beersheba still exists today. It's in the south of Israel. It's right in the northern edge of the Sinai Desert. Um, it's actually the home of sort of the Silicon Valley of Israel. It's where the all the tech companies are moving in, and they're building um, solar farms and all kinds of amazing new technology in the south of Israel. But that little peninsula between the Red Sea and uh, the Gulf of Aqaba, there's this little triangle peninsula. Egypt is on one side, Israel is on the other. And that Sinai Peninsula is where Mount Sinai is and the desert. And Beersheba is right there in the north part of the desert. And that's where Elijah ran to. He's trying to run away from the kingdom of Israel in the north, running away from Jezebel because she says, I'm going to have you killed. How many know that you can be very brave in a moment, but when somebody threatens you with a legitimate threat and they say, hey, I'm going to kill you, and they've got a gun and they're holding it to your face, that feels like a legitimate threat. Well, this, this would be like having your life being threatened by a president or an ambassador, or a vice president, or someone high-ranking in the government saying, I'm going to have you killed, that seems like a pretty legitimate threat. They have military uh, force on their side. They have police on their side. It seems like uh, Elijah knew that she could have him killed, and there'd be nothing he could do about it. So he's very fearful, as you would be, and he runs away. And he runs to Beersheba, and he gets so tired that he collapses and an angel appears to him and he says, hey, it's time, you gotta gotta get up and eat uh, because you have a long journey in front of you. And so uh, he, um, in 1 Kings, I'm gonna get to my my chapter here, he says, the angel uh, touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And so he ate and drank and he lied down again. And then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more. And the journey uh, or the journey ahead of you would be too much for you. So he got up and he ate and drank and the food gave him enough strength to travel for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God, where he came to a cave and he spent the night. Now this is in even modern travel, which would be a couple hundred miles on foot in the desert. He travels to this mountain 
where Moses originally stood and he received the Ten Commandments from God. He goes to this little cave on Mount Sinai. I want to just share a quick point of application here that we need to think about. You know, fear causes panic. You know, survival, the survival instinct is, is God-given to us. We, we, are, we always try to survive because that's what we're meant to do. Like we're, we want to live our lives, to live according to our purpose, to love, to take care of our family, um, to, to nurture our children, to raise up business, to live according to purpose, to serve others, right? Um, and yet, and that's, so that survival instinct is God-given. And yet there's a greater law or a greater law of love, of, and it's a, it's a law of sacrifice, Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, than he would lay down his life for his friends. John Maxwell, a great uh, Christian leader, said, I don't have to survive. In fact, when, when Pastor John brings people onto his Enjoy uh, organization, they all get a plaque that they put on their wall that says, I don't have to survive. And in his book called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of, Sac of, of uh, Leadership, the first law is the law of sacrifice. And here's the, the law of sacrifice, according to Maxwell. A leader must give up to go up. A leader must give up to go up. In other words, there's no accomplishment without some sacrifice. You're going to have to choose to say no to some things to say yes to the deeper things. And Elijah uh, realized that his life could be taken from him. He didn't want to die yet. And yet he felt like he still had a purpose. And this angel meets him and says, I want you to go to Mount Sinai and the Lord's going to meet with you there. So he goes to this mountain and when he gets to Sinai, the Lord says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. Right? Cry me a river, wah, 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 Elijah, poor me, I'm the only one. You ever, you ever had that, that sense of self-pity, like Elijah was having a little pity party here, going, oh, poor me, I'm the only one. There's nobody likes me, everybody hates me, I'm going to eat some worms. Right? That's, he was having this little pity party. And so then... God says to him in verse uh, 11, he says, go out and stand before me on the mountain. The Lord told him, and as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord, he wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but... The Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And the voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They've torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. So Elijah, he stays with this self-pity as he talks to God. And then the Lord told him in this still small voice, Elijah, 
go back the way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Haziel to be king of Aram. And then anoint Jehu, the grandson of Nimshi, to be the king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Meholah, to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Haziel will be killed by Jehu. And those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve seven thousand others in Israel who have never bowed to Baal or kissed him. God was saying to Elijah, hey, you're not the only one. You're not the only one I could use. You're not the last of the good people. There are 7,000 other people that have not bowed their knee. There are 7,000 other righteous people that you apparently don't know about. And so then Elijah responds in verse 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. So Elijah went and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, plowing a field. And there were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him, and he threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. And Elisha left the oxen standing there, and he ran after Elijah. And he said, first let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye. Then I will go with you. And Elijah replied, go on back. But think about what I have done to you. And so Elisha returned to his oxen. He slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. And he passed around the meat to the townspeople. And they all ate. And he went with Elijah as his assistant. This is one of the first prophetic partnerships in the Old Testament. Elisha and Elijah. These two men. The calling of Elisha is pretty amazing. The call of God demands immediate obedience and an abandoning of the status quo. See, Elijah could not receive the call of God and keep doing the things he was doing. He realized he had to, he had to make a break with what he was doing to do the very thing that God wanted him to do next. He had a mission to fulfill, and that mission was to be the assistant for Elijah, to aid the prophet of God to carry that same anointing and one day to, to, to inherit that anointing and to continue as a priest and a prophet for Israel. And so this call of God, it, he, God is still calling people. He's calling men and women, even to this day. He might be calling you into something very unique and special. You say, okay, God, if you're calling me to something new and unique, I know the law of sacrifice says I have to give up to go up. I have to abandon the status quo and stop the things I've been doing to do the new thing that you're calling me to do now. And Elisha did that. And of course, Jesus' disciples had to do that. Jesus said, he said, come, follow me. They dropped everything. They put away their fishing business. They put away their fishing nets and their boats and they followed Jesus. And they made it their full-time job to be disciples of Christ. God's people, when we're threatened, we have to realize that we have a God that allows us to prevail. And so when Elijah and Elisha um, come to, into their next anointing, there is a king who's threatening this northern king of Israel. He comes from the north. He comes from Mesopotamia and Syria. His name is Ben-Hadad. And Ben-Hadad was wanting to destroy the whole nation. He was trying to take it under his own power. 
And the prophet said, no, God's going to protect you. He's, he's got a word for you. He says, don't give in to any of the demands. And, and so Ahab resisted Ben-Hadad. And there were several battles, a couple years in a row. And God opposes the proud. Ben-Hadad, over and over again, was mocking the God of Israel. He says, these, this, these gods cannot save you. These gods are not going to deliver you. This whole land's going to become mine. And yet, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34 says, The Lord mocks the mockers, but is gracious to the humble. You ever felt mocked for being a Christian, for being a believer, for, for claiming that you know and believe the word of God and you believe in the Lord Jesus? Guess what? One day, every tongue that rises against us in anger will be silenced. God will mock the mockers, and he'll be gracious to those of us who humbly decide to serve God. Well, what happens in subsequent battles, let me read in, in 1 Kings chapter 20. Then the man of God went to the king of Israel and he said, This is what the Lord says. The Arameans have said, The Lord is a God of the hills and not of the plains. So I will defeat, defeat this vast army for you. And then you will know that I am the Lord. And of course, God delivers them. And he commands Ahab to kill Ben-Hadad. That you're gonna, you need to destroy this enemy so that he, he cannot threaten you anymore. But Ahab was not in the habit of obeying God. He was in, in the habit of obeying the commands that he liked and only doing the things that he wanted to do. And when God some, said something he liked, then he would agree with it. But when God asked him to do something he didn't like, he would disobey it. And so in this third battle, when Ben-Hadad dies, or not dies, but when Ben-Hadad's life is being threatened, um, Ahab sees dollar signs. He thinks, you know what? If I take this Ben-Hadad prisoner, I can make a treaty so that everything that belongs to him now belongs to us. And you would think that's a business decision that would be smart, but that's not what he, God commanded Ahab to do. God had commanded Ahab to kill Ben-Hadad. But he saw dollar signs and said, and, and, and greed caused him to disobey. Let's look at 1 Kings chapter 20. And so they said, Sir, we have heard that the kings of Israel are merciful, so let, let's uh, humble ourselves by wearing burlap around our waist and putting robes on our heads and surrender to the king of Israel, and then perhaps he will let you live. So they put on burlap and ropes, and they went to the king of Israel and begged, Your, your servant Ben-Hadad says, Please let me live. The king of Israel responded, Is he still alive? He is my brother. The men took this as a good sign and quickly picked up on his words. Yes, they said, your, your brother Ben-Hadad. Go get him, the king of Israel told him. And they went to, when Ben-Hadad arrived, Ahab invited him up into his chariot. Ben-Hadad told him, I will give back the towns my father took from your father, and may you establish places of trade in Damascus as my father did in Samaria. Then Ahab said, I will release you under these conditions. So they made a new treaty and Ben-Hadad was set free. Now, it might have been a smart business decision, but it disobeyed God. God said to kill Ben-Hadad, but Ahab saw dollar signs instead. Ahab's greed brought his disobedience. And of course, then a prophet comes later and rebukes Ahab for this. He says, this is what the Lord says, because you have spared the man that I said must be destroyed, now you must die in his place and your people would die instead of his people. 
So the king of Israel went home to Samaria angry and sullen. So Ahab has a hissy fit. He's moping around the palace and he's trying to cheer himself up, probably with wine. Jezebel's saying, why are you so sad? And he sees a vineyard. He sees a, a, a man named Naboth who has a, a vineyard. So he says, I want that vineyard. He tries to buy the vineyard and Naboth says, well, it's not for sale. So he is, is moping and crying around the house and Jezebel says, what's happening? Why are you crying? Why, 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 why are you so depressed? He says, well, Naboth, Naboth won't sell me the vineyard. Well, Jezebel, so wicked, she just has Naboth killed and the vineyard is automatically confiscated into the king's care. He says, don't, she, she, he takes it without a second thought. And so Naboth is murdered just so that Ahab can have a vineyard. So it says here in 1 Kings chapter 21 that no one else so completely sold himself to what is evil in the sight of the Lord as Ahab did under the influence of his wife Jezebel. His worst outrage was worshiping idols. Just as the Amorites had done, the people whom the Lord had driven out from the land ahead of the Israelites. Ahab led the people of Israel into idolatry. And over and over again, God warned Ahab, you're, you're serving these other gods. You're not obeying me completely. You're doing whatever you want to do rather than doing the things that I've commanded you to do. And of course, Elijah and Elisha are prophesying and, and uh, holding the line for righteousness in the nation of Israel and for Judah at that time. And it goes from bad to worse. And eventually, of course, King Ahab does die in battle, just as the prophet had foretold. But Jezebel lives on. And we'll talk about how she died. She was pro prophesied to have died and be eaten by dogs. And we'll study that more in the weeks to come. But I want to focus in on the departure of Elijah because you know that they say that Elijah is going to come back. In the book of Revelation, two witnesses are going to return. One will, will hold, withhold the rain from the skies. And uh, the other one will turn the rivers and the oceans into blood. That sounds like Elijah and Elisha to most people. And you see, when Elijah uh, becomes the prophet to the new kings of Israel, there's a, a king named Ahaziah. And he goes to summon Elijah. He sends his soldiers said, you bring that prophet here. I need to talk with him. And Elijah commands fire to come down and kills 50 soldiers. And then another garrison of, of soldiers comes. And more fire comes down from heaven and destroys 50 more soldiers. And a third, third uh, garrison comes and says, please don't destroy us like you did the first two. Please just come with me. And then God says to Elijah, it's okay. Go with the soldier. I, I need you to speak with King Ahaziah. And so... The, the angel said to Elijah, go down with him. Don't be afraid of him. So Elijah got up and went to be with the king. And Elijah said to the king, this is what the Lord says. Why did you send messengers to Barab Zabub, the god of Ekron, to ask whether you will recover? You see, King Ahaziah was dying of a disease. And he was consulting all these pagan gods. And Elijah said, because you consulted the other gods rather than the God of Israel, you are going to die from this disease. Verse 17, so Ahaziah died just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Since Ahaziah did not have a son to succeed him, his brother Joram became the next king. And this took place in the second year of the reign of Joram, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. 
and of course the rest of the history is written in the kings and there's more written in these other Old Testament books about the kings of Israel and I'm not going to we're trying to focus on Elijah here today so after Elijah had done all of these things he helped return Israel to the true worship of Abraham Isaac and Jacob he got rid of the prophets of Baal and the prophets to Ashtoreth he he began to help Israel to return to the foundations of what uh, what it was all about, uh, he said, "It's time. It's just about time for me to go, Elisha. You you are the next guy. You're the one who's going to follow in my footsteps." And so, picking up here in Second Kings chapter two, Elijah is taken up into heaven. So it says, uh, Elijah folded his cloak together, and and Elijah and Elisha. Uh, we're, we're walking along together. And the Lord was about to take Elijah up into heaven in a whirlwind. And Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives, you and you, <laughs> you and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. And the group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, do you, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Elisha replied again, as surely as the Lord lives, you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on to Jericho. And then a group of prophets from Jericho came to Elisha and asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. And again, Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives you and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. 50 men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. And the river divided, and the two of them went across on dry ground. Isn't that a familiar story? Just as Joshua did when they were first taking the promised land. And when they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken away? And Elisha replied, Please, let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. If you have asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied, if you see me when I am taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, you won't. And as they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared and drawn by horses of fire. And it drove between the two men, separating them. And Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried out, my father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his clothes in distress. And Elijah picked up Elijah's, Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up. And then Elisha returned to the bank of the Jordan River. And he struck the water with Elijah's cloak. And he cried out, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And then the river divided. And Elisha went across. When the group of prophets from Jericho saw from a distance what had happened, they exclaimed, Elijah's spirit rests on Elisha. Isn't that amazing? The same spirit that rested on Elijah rested on Elisha. 
The same spirit that rested on Abraham when he had a vision of being a father of many nations. The same spirit that, that dwelt on Jacob when he, he slept at Bethel and he saw a, a ladder going up into heaven with angels coming up and going down. The same spirit that was with Joseph in Israel and uh, in, in, in Egypt. The same spirit that was with Moses when he received the Ten Commandments at Sinai. The same spirit that was with Joshua when, when they parted the, the Jordan River. The same spirit that was with Elijah, that was with Elisha that fell on Jesus Christ himself, the same spirit that was on the apostles is upon you and me today. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you and me. And he can strengthen our mortal bodies by the blood of Jesus, by the power of God. That's a powerful thing to think about. That God was the God who answers with fire, but he wasn't in the fire. He was in that still, small voice whispering to Elijah, and he speaks the same way to us today. I want to read what, what Paul, the apostle, says in Romans chapter 8, talking about this same spirit that was on Elijah is on you and I. Romans chapter 8, verse 9 says, But you are not controlled by your sinful nature, you are controlled by the Spirit, that same Spirit. The Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. It doesn't say you made yourself right. It says you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you and me, right? And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies so that this same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But... If through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit are children of God. If you have your Bible, will you grab, grab it and turn to Romans chapter 8? And I want, to get, I want you to underline these verses, verse 15 and 16. So, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Would you underline those words? fearful slaves, maybe circle them. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit. And underline those, those words, his spirit, circle it, joins with our spirit, underlined circle, to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share with his glory, we're also to share in his suffering. Yet what we suffer now 
is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and gives strength to this mortal body and helps you overcome sin. You see, God created us to be with him. You're made in the image of God. But our sins separate us from God. And sins can't be paid for by doing religious activity. Can't be paid for by doing good deeds. Paying the price for our sin, Jesus died and rose again. And everyone, anyone who will trust God and invite him in and make him the Lord... That spirit of God will come in and dwell within you and you will become a child of God. We're all made in the image of God, but we're not all children of God until we've submitted to God as our father. When we say yes to him, he adopts us into his family by the blood of Jesus. Because Christ died and rose again and gives us new life, we get to have new life too. That's what the L in gospel stands for. G, God created us to be with him. O, our sins separate us from God. S, sins can't be paid for by doing good deeds. P, paying the price for our sin, Jesus died and rose again. E, everyone who trusts in Christ can have eternal life. And L, life eternal begins the moment you say yes to Jesus and make him the Lord of your life. You can do that right now. Maybe a friend sent you this link or you shared this with a friend and you've never heard the gospel like this before. You didn't know that God is consuming fire, that that living fire can burn inside of you. That spiritual flame of God's love can burn out all the wickedness and dross and hatred and envy and all that that old stuff that, that, that dwells inside of you. You can be refined in God's fire to become his son and daughter. Will you pray this prayer with me? It's just simply saying, sorry, thank you, please. Inviting Christ in to be the Lord of your life. If you do that, I believe you'll be adopted into God's family and you'll have a new beginning. Pray this prayer with me right now. Say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I thank you for dying on the cross for me. Please come into my heart. Be my savior. Be my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. I'm so glad that you joined me today for our cozy little Bible study here around the fake fireplace. And uh, we are going to have in-person worship services at Castleview High School Commons starting next Sunday. That's November 1st at Castleview High School. We're going to enter around the back in the rear. We'll have a door that's uh, where you can come and go in the rear so you don't have to go down the stairs and up the stairs over and over again. You'll be able to just come through the back parking lot and invite a friend to come uh, to church. And then we're going to also have our annual Thanksgiving meal potluck in a couple weeks after that. So we're so excited for the new season that we're in. Good things are happening. And uh, we're also going to be doing an online Tuesday night Bible study uh, this Tuesday on Facebook Live. So uh, join that room. It's there on my Facebook wall if you want to be a a part of that Tuesday night Bible study live online. And uh, that'll be awesome as well. Hey, I want to just encourage you to partner with our ministry. Um, You can give on our... um, 
on our website. Go to mysummitchurch.com and click the online giving link. Uh, you can also mail your gift to Summit Church of Castle Rock, uh, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or you can text your gift, um, pull up your texting app, and punch in this number, 303-625-9434, and then enter the amount of what you would like to give in the text bubble of, what, of the message, and then follow the prompts, and 100% of what you give by text goes directly to the ministry. So we're glad that you joined us today. So grateful to have your partnership, and I believe that God is going to do great things as we enter into a new season. Let's continue to practice the attitude of gratitude in all things. So hope you have a great Sunday today. Hope your, I hope your football team wins, no matter who you're cheering for. Uh, Michigan played yesterday, and I watched my Michigan just beat up on the Golden Gophers, so that was really fun yesterday. So sometimes your team wins, sometimes they lose, but whatever. We're glad, uh, we're glad that we get to spend time with our families, and that's the most important thing. God bless you guys. We'll see you online, and we'll see some of you in person next Sunday. Take care. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you all very soon. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in today to the ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hansen. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com, and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Rima, and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember, God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life.